very few times in the Christian life is prayer always consoling, right? We don't, we are not always consoled every time we pray. We don't always have an emotional experience. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's amazing. You know, sometimes God surprises us with his mirth or his tenderness or his intimacy with us. But other times it is our dedication to him and him above all that actually sanctifies us and draws us into more and deeper communion with him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. As Dave Big Trouble in Little Pittsburgh keeps reminding me every time he does a solo episode, he always sneaks in the phrase and discipleship. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Dave? I'm okay. I'm good. I mean, I'm okay. It's like there was frost on my roof this morning. <laughs> and I have an ongoing saga with a raccoon. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, really? So... <laughs> This raccoon is terrorizing my garbage, and I'm having to clean it up all the time, which I don't have an extra minute in the day to clean up, okay? So finally, I went to Tractor Supply and bought a trap for this raccoon, okay? So last night, he got the food in the trap and and even set the trap like it was closed, and he wasn't in it, and then <laughs> tore up all my garbage. <laughs> that'll that'll learn you. <laughs> I, I seriously was just like... I'm ready to just be out there with a gun or something like that. I mean, I won't, but I would. <laughs> you hate guns, but you yeah. own so many. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot. That's so funny. Yeah, man, uh, I, I haven't had that issue with trash. My issue with trash is no one on my street. We pay in our neighborhood for recycling, and they give you this tiny little black bin. Do you do recycling in your neighborhood? Yeah, we have it. But okay, I swear so they put it in the same thing. As the garbage, oh, yeah, I they swear, I swear. They probably do. But uh, it, it, this helps me yeah. process my life. Uh, no, my old neighborhood gave us two full-size bins, and they had one of those you know, waste management robo trucks yeah, that sure, would just yeah. come up and dump right. it. But the funny thing is with the recycle is that was more, because we're fanatics about recycling, which is funny. Why? My wife, really? she, she Are cleans every, really? every peanut butter jars my wife cleans. No, this is, what? Yes. Yes, I don't know why Austria really. Uh, our time abroad in Austria really. It's because really you're got you're a it. member of the Catholic bourgeois elite. That's why. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> with our uh, with our Amazon cardboard yeah, boxes right. that we have to break down and all this stuff. But no one on my block takes it seriously. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder how many cans and bottles they all have in their trash. But me, I have like the biggest trash I have is recycling. Yeah. So and I just they just give me this tiny tub. So I have the tiny tub full. Plus a bin that I bought, plus like all these Amazon boxes yeah. filled with trash and all this yeah. stuff. And uh, so that's the bane of my existence. It's not that I have a raccoon going into it. It's that it's just so difficult sorting everything. I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, what do you, hey, do you have any live events coming up? Oh, do I have any live events coming up? Actually, yeah. I'm going to go to the uh, Diocese of Austin, and I'm going to work with their diocesan staff during the day and then i'm going to work with their um young adult leaders or young adults in the evening so that's going to be on october 20th and then um in november i've more or less cleared my schedule i have some stuff that is a little bit more simple for me to do 
in terms of planning and executing because my son Noah and my daughter Cecilia are both in sports and I'm trying fanatically to not miss it. Right. Okay. To not miss practices, to not miss games. It, It is so difficult. It is so difficult for me to try to schedule my life around the five trillion things yeah. that are on my kid's schedule. But I'm like, this matters. This matters. I need to make this matter. I need them to know this matters. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited to have all this stuff. My son Noah is a natural athlete. Like the other day he was doing this gymnastics. Thanks to Shannon. I know. Yeah, not, not me. <laughs> he was doing gymnastics where he's hanging from the rings. And they don't do the rings all the time, but the, he every so And none of the other boys can do it. And he was able to pull himself up and go upside down and hold himself upside down. And I'm like, he's nice. six or seven. Like, this is crazy. Like, yeah, this is awesome. awesome. So I'm trying to A lot of people, that. I think a lot of our listeners also struggle with making children a god in our life. So you may might be able to talk to them about your fanatic <laughs> scheduling. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, <laughs> I'm kidding. Not, I, I go the opposite where I make my career my god, right? Like, yeah, right. I'm so filled with fear that I won't be able to fund my family and their 10 trillion, you know, doctor's visits that they have. And Dave, you feel this 10 times more than I do, but... Like, my son Noah has braces now, and he's seven. I was like, what seven-year-old needs braces? Wow. After, yeah, that's so early. After the right. hardware of, he had to he had a jaw. Well, the, the problem was his, his palate. He needed a palate expander. He needed a reshape. Yeah. He's in speech therapy. He's in all these right. things. And I was like, my parents took me to the dentist three times growing up, and I had yeah. terrible teeth because of it. Yeah. But, like, I, we go nuts for our kiddos in a, in a good way, yeah. in a good way. But, uh the it's just crazy so my my fear is i have no problem abandoning my family to go make money and in 2019 i did that way too much and covid took all that away yeah and and i like this version of me better (laughs) good i like this version of you better too thanks yeah can i tell you one more thing that i'm doing yeah one more thing so uh, we've been talking so long we might as well just put the people put the expense of our conversation on ascension (laughs) press yeah (laughs) so let me ask you let me ask you this uh have you been active in the Clubber Lang School for Gentlemen? So, okay, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked me today You're because welcome. I hadn't been. And then the other day, I was like, "That's it, I I must do this, like just to prove my my living, you know, that I'm alive." And I went out and beasted out for about 20 minutes, and now I feel like I can't walk anywhere. So, Oh, that's funny. What you need is some essential oils to help Ew. you with recovery. Ew. Uh, get you down They're on the ground floor the level. Gym for men. Uh, that's so funny you say that because I just put a diffuser <laughs> in my office just because I realized after me being in there for so long, it smells like boy. Right? Like, I don't know what I do yeah. that I engender boy smell. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to diffuse put some something. lavender in there. Uh, uh, absolutely. Some You're lavender, so- peppermint, and oh some lemon, bro. Gosh. To the point where for Boss's Day, which is a thing. Uh, that probably bosses came up with um for bosses day a lady bought me one of my uh employees bought me sage and lavender (laughs) essential oil i was like i've been doing this for a week and now they're gifting it to me so i you know do you know my 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 sense like my candles it's like tobacco leaf and leather so and western one of them's called (laughs) i'm sure they have testosterone in them (laughs) john wayne's back yeah (laughs) um 
hey, yeah, I, I, I have a live event tomorrow night in Atco, New Jersey. I'm pretty excited. I think everybody listening should come out who lives in the Ooh, Philly in the slash south of Jersey. Jersey area. Well, it's close to Philly. It's 40 minutes from Philly. Oh, nice. And I don't think 40 minutes is too far to drive to see Dave Van Bickle. No. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I think you guys should for sure. (laughs) But but the reason why I brought up the Clubber Lang School for Gentlemen is because I have started, due to my uh, a handful of books that I've been reading lately, uh, so I started having this like weirdo lower back pain, and it just was never going away no matter what I would do. So a buddy of mine's like, hey, I'm going through this book. It's really awesome. The YouTube channel is called The Ready State. And I was like, you said YouTube channel? You had me at yeah, you. Yeah, so uh, immediately I fell in love with it. And um, he's like, he's got a, a bunch of great books, New York Times bestselling books and stuff. But the last one's called Desk Bound. And so it, it's led to a revision in how I do my work here at the parish. I'm about to buy a standing desk. But the big thing, I bought this cube that's a timer. And you turn it, which oh, yeah, direction those, you those have facing cool. up. Yeah. And it'll just count down. It's a Pomodoro-style timer. And it's 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes, I have to stand and walk around for two to five minutes. And it is, one, it's hilarious as a game changer for me because the back pain almost immediately went away. But two, I've started another thing uh, for the other side of my life, which is my ADHD shenanigans and dealing with kind of like the the aftershocks of the depression with with all the baby stuff that yeah. we've been having and watching my wife just suffer and stuff and She's not getting, she's healed physically somewhat, but she's having these bizarre residual pains that are almost inexplicable. And so um, one of the things is, you know, that physical exertion exercise that I'm sure you did for 20 minutes of way more than I do, but I started a couch to 5k program. Nice. And let me tell you, let me tell you, the old man shins at 39 do not work quite as well as they did at 25. Yeah. I remember being at Franciscan being like, I haven't run in a month. I'm going to go run as fast as I can around. And you do, and you're exhausted. And, and, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm out of shape. Right. But the next day, I was a normal functioning human person. Yeah. And now, <laughs> now it's not that. Yesterday, yesterday not my that. wife, Amber, mentioned <laughs> shin splints. And I was like, shin splints aren't real. That's something made up by the week that. And she was like, that is ridiculous. She's like, yes, they are real. But literally that's all i feel i i was an inch away from calling them shim splints but my shins are on fire that's funny they are on fire oh mm. man well well that's so, good that's exciting that you're uh it's not exciting it's boring it's like well you could uh, add in every my 20 minute thing is yeah. then i do i do kettlebell swings and planks so you walk around the office and i mean that's good for you that's i think for you for your level of preparedness of when things go down that's good that's good walking around the office is fine there's a texas gym system called starting strength and now it's kind yeah. of like national but he <laughs> they have painted on all their walls uh s- strong people are harder to kill yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, every time i see that i think of well that's dave's preparedness plan yeah, all right uh, i don't need to stock up on dry goods because i could just beat up the guy that stocks up on dry goods <laughs> i don't think that way comer i'm not I'm not evil. You'll evangelize him first. Yeah, sure. Right. And then and then you'll send him to meet him. his maker. Yeah. <laughs> uh great. Well so, we have some So awkward yeah. segue. What no, are we gonna talk about well, today? No, I mean it's weird because we haven't been I mean, we yeah. don't even talk anymore, really. We don't even We talk, don't even talk, talk anymore. anymore. What if we had a boy band, a Catholic boy band? That'd be awesome. <laughs> it would be the worst. It, it would, would be the worst. It would be so bad. It would yeah, you're right. But 
Okay, um, but side we do note before we go. Okay. Side note before we go to the email. I was thinking about this and I wanted to bring it up. And this is this is the fact that I didn't do my couch to 5K. My ADD brain is all over the place. Um, a long time ago, you had said to our friend Brian Kissinger, who was going to do music for a Born in the Spirit retreat, that you wanted to take out all the songs that have in, personal on the retreat. Yeah. That had to deal with like me, that's all about me, that's putting like man at the center, making all the wild promises. I will always be faithful. I will give you my whole heart. Uh, and you said you just wanted music that gives praise to God. Yeah. And the funniest thing or is a quote now. Or scripture it could be. Or, or scripture. Yeah. The funny thing is now it has gotten so bad I know. that it's not just like I will always love you. But I've I've started to read song lyrics and counter songs that's like, this is a song about how I will always love you. Like, it's so meta. It's like, this is an anthem about a right. generation that's going to love you and lift up your name. And I'm like, why are we talking about the song in the song? Right. I, I blame Heart of Worship, right? I bring you more than the song. I'm coming yeah. back to the Heart of Worship. Right. I blame that. That, that started the meta trend. <laughs> and now it's like here's my anthem here's a, but what, what was the one song i just heard now it's not a new song but i just heard it recently the chorus is you basically say over and over again this is a love song this is a love song this is a love song to you that makes like, me so right. angry already all right yeah all right no i i i think i absolutely think that the renewal was deeply affected when it started to adopt the personal pronoun music the me 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 pro- me me i love you look at me leave me Lord, you're the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> Secretly about me still. <laughs> anyway, I was just thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, yeah, when you look at traditional Catholic hymns, it's like, how great thou art. Right. right. And when you look at modern contemporary hymns, not all of them, many of them are still inspired by the tradition, but um, they tend to be like, look at how amazing my love for you is, is, or look at how deep I'm pledging my love to you. And you're like, ah, we got a problem here. Since you brought up... How great thou art! Can I tell you an evangelization yes. story about that song? I wish you would because okay. this is going to be. It's a not show about, about that tangents. song. It's not about that song, <laughs> but it's about Benny Hinn. You know Benny. Yeah, yeah. Who I love Benny Hinn? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. I mean, he's hard not to watch, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So I have a friend. He he died a few years ago, but uh, he he was he was very wealthy and had a a, a radical conversion. Okay, radical conversion. Uh, I had met him on an on an airplane, and then. And uh, we kind of... You've talked about him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nick. Yeah, Nick. yeah, okay. So, well... Oh, maybe I have told the story before about Benny Hinn. But uh, he, he was very wealthy and he and someone encouraged him to go to a Benny Hinn event. Did I tell you this? Have I told you this before? No, no, okay. no. This is awesome. So, so now I want to just say, like, God can work through anything. And God did work through this, okay? Even though the story is shocking and most of us are going to be appalled by it. But So he went to a Benny Hinn event in Atlanta and... Uh, they they all get there and it's really exciting and it's like a half hour late you know they don't open the doors for like a half hour and they finally get their seats and they make an announcement and they say I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen we're going to have to cancel our event Benny Hinn's plane uh, is is delayed and they will not let him land at the airport and everyone's like so sad and they start to get up and leave and then like a minute later the guy says no no ladies and gentlemen please. Benny Hinn is on the phone right now. He's on his plane and he is asking us all to sit down and pray him into the airport. Okay. So, so they all start coming back and they all start praying and praying and praying. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to, I'm going to patch Benny into the microphone system so he can speak to you and lead you in prayer. 
and Benny, you know, leads them in prayer and, <laughs> and like says, you have to pray right now that they're going to allow us in. And it's like this really exciting time. And he's like, I'm just getting word from the pilot right now. They're going to allow us to land. And so everybody starts cheering, you know, and then they get into the airport and uh, it's Benny Hinn's like his uh, whatever limousine or something like that. You know, we've just hit traffic. We... I don't know. We, you've got to clear this traffic away. If everyone, we're, let's pray right now. A, a holy wind to clear this traffic away, and you know it's like really cars exciting. just start flipping and, over. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so finally they're like, okay, he'll come. And so, like they're like, he he's on his way, you know. And it's like this really exciting thing, and they've all been a part of it, you know, like that they prayed him, you know, there. And and so the the band starts to play, and right as the crescendo of how great thou art starts, Benny walks out onto the stage. And people just go nuts, you know. And so, anyways, my friend Nick that night, even though he thought it was a little strange, you know, uh, he he gave his life to the Lord, okay? And, you know, I told you Nick was very wealthy, and the next day Benny was going to be in California. So Nick decided, I'm I'm buying tickets for California, and I'm going to California tomorrow. Wow. And he got there, and it was a half hour late, and he sat down in his seat, and they said, ladies and gentlemen, Benny's plane is late. <laughs> And we, we oh, have to pray no. him. Yeah, and the same exact thing happens. Oh no! Yeah, please tell me he walked out to how great thou art. He did. Oh, that's hilarious. He did. So, anyways, but he saw that, and you know, he called me, and I was like, "Well, you know, like if you had known before, would you have still given your life to the Lord?" And he was like, "I am a hundred percent certain that God was at present, and that He was calling me to give my life to the Lord." And I was like, "Okay, well then, don't worry about it." Oh, isn't that crazy? See, this is the thing about gimmicks. Yeah. When you use right. them, right. they can easily backfire. Like uh, Justin Furtick's, Pastor Justin Furtick's parish, Elevation Church or whatever, where they, for their baptism Sundays, they want to get people who have never been baptized to get baptized. So what they do is they have like four plants who all volunteer to get baptized oh, first. Oh, see that's And so these yeah. are people who have been baptized dozens of times. And then it found out local news reported it. And basically, they were doing it because they wanted, they wanted someone just to break the ice. Yeah, That's course, like the method. Course. But like, of course, when you don't prepare people for baptism and you just <laughs> turn it into a a, a show, yeah. it can have that. People get stage fright. That's real. You don't want that about the sacraments. Yeah. But that that was the point of it. But it's like the when the gimmicks get revealed, it's like the emperor has no clothes. But right? the, like, yeah. But the thing is that when you and I next time you and I speak together, we have to do something like that. Oh yeah, when it comes when out, we're like on our private jet, and yeah, and really yeah. we're just like in a stall in the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, we're going through a lot of turbulence now. <laughs> Every, everything is awful. Okay, we got questions. We got questions. Let's do the questions. <laughs> yeah. All right, Christopher Miller, not my best friend, but uh, a good fan of the show. My best friend's name Chris Miller. Anywho, uh, love uh, love the podcast. Been listening to this for the last couple of weeks. Find it really helpful and enlightening. Thank you very much, Christopher. My question is this. I'm a layperson who is not on staff at my local parish. I do have a good relationship with my pastor and priest as well as some of the parish staff. I really feel called to spread the gospel and help my parish community grow in relationship with Jesus. When I talk to the pastor and or staff members on discipling, I get a very mixed message. Some seem interested in what I'm saying but don't seem interested in my help. Others feel like they're too busy to consider different ideas or things. What do you think the best approach of this would be? I don't want to give up on it, but I need some guidance. 
And then he goes on to tell us that he's getting ready to start a men's prayer group and have been discipling others intentionally and unintentionally for a while. I get a lot of responses from guys, specifically when they go uh, to another program or serve in another ministry. Jesus is barely mentioned or they aren't sure what they're supposed to do as a follower. This usually leads to a feeling of being stuck or indifferent, so they stop being active in the community. Thank you for your help and time. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've gotten this email so many times. I mean, very similar, yeah. you know, I mean, this is a, this is a problem for a lot of people in the church. And the first thing I would say is, um, and I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I, I felt it lately. Uh, and normally I, w- I would be a little bit more cutthroat about this, but I kind of understand sometimes the staff members who are, feel like they're too busy to add anything in. So I would just like compassionately like kind of understand that a lot of people do feel that way. And there have been times in my life where I felt that way and definitely have responded poorly to, to parishioners coming up with ideas because I just think, how am I ever going to add something into my schedule? Right. Right. But what I will say is this, you don't need the parish to start evangelizing. And I think you're on the right track. This idea with the men's group. Okay. I would, I would move forward with that. And I would continue that way. And like a lot of times what happens, and I, you know, this is not ideal at all, but I've talked about this before. When you're par- when you're evangelizing in a parish, a lot of times what you do is you create a subculture and the subculture grows so much that the parish staff is like, whoa, we got to, we got to use this. We got to be a part of this. We got to, you know, join up with this. And it, it happens, you know, and this happens a lot with youth ministry. You'll see a yeah. parish that has no evangelization going on. They'll hire an on-fire youth minister. And that youth ministry will build a culture of evangelization and it will take over the whole parish. You see that happen all the time. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly it. I keep wanting to remind Catholics that by virtue of their baptism, you are already called and commissioned to be evangelists and disciple makers. Literally, legally, by church law. In the code of canon law. That's where it starts off on the rights of the lay people of the church, the lay faithful. So you and I are, and, and Chris, I love what you're already doing. You are already leaning into this with the men's prayer group and discipling others intentionally and unintentionally. I would just say, keep doing that. Find out where the pull is in your own heart. Uh, One of the things that I tell people is oftentimes I feel like the Holy Spirit gives us a certain attraction to a type of ministry, maybe for a season, maybe for our lives, that there's going to be a lot of fruit in doing that ministry, right? Like, you know, we all might want to do pro-life stuff. We all might want to do, you know, frontline evangelization. We all might see the need in, you know, serving the poor in a food pantry or whatever it might be. The beautiful gift of the church is that there's there's so much need out there that the Holy Spirit equips and calls people and gives them charisms and giftedness in order to serve in those areas. So if you feel like evangelizing and discipling is one of those areas, just keep doubling down on this men's prayer group. Like this is the beautiful thing in the church is you're doing it. Now, like what Dave said, my approach would be to if you have a good relationship with your pastor, Maybe what you can do is go through some of our catalog and find episodes that you think would be relevant to him, to the pastor, and send him a link to the episode. Maybe send him a copy of Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples or um, Jeff Caven's Activated Discipleship. Like, send them these books and just say, like, listen, I know what I know the life of the parish can get so busy, and I don't want to add to it. But how much better would the life of the parish be with more people who are committed and fully invested disciples, right? And and that's the vision that I think a lot of overstress and overwork lay 
staff and pastors need to see is the type of response that we're begging our people to give only comes as an end result of committing to be a disciple. Right. We want the end result without necessarily doing the work of a disciple. But the funny thing is when you make someone a disciple, part of being a disciple, as Scott Hahn talks about all the time, is that you go and disciple others. Sometimes, and I would just caution with the parish life, the oppressive nature of programs kind of robs us of our joy of discipling. You still have that. So don't think the only way to be legitimate, you know, it's like these YouTubers who make millions on YouTube, but they can't wait to get an NBC deal or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. You already got the thing, right? right? You already have the joy. It's on your terms. You just keep doing this. But oftentimes we find that unless it's like a ministry at the church, it doesn't have legitimacy. And that's not true. I think you have more legitimacy doing what you're doing and just amping up and maybe keeping your pastor in the loop. Chris Fides Leiji talks about the the coordinating relationship between pastor and lay evangelizers. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. And I, I also think, Chris, to kind of keep in mind that right now you're not a professional parish worker. And I think I would thank God for that because for the most part, people who are in uh, the normal marketplace uh, when they get involved with parish uh, work, they're frustrated by whatever, lack of resources, lack of ability to make decisions, these kinds of things. So don't don't think the grass is greener just because you have parish approval, I would say. Now, I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. And I think what Gomer mentioned was a good idea that, you know, give them a book or something, start that conversation. But I always would talk to these people by saying, look, here's all I need. I need a room. I need this. I need you to send an email. I need you to put it in the bulletin. Just just that, just that so that they know they're not getting into a huge commitment because that's what would always happen to me is people would pitch me these ideas and they'd be like, well, you know, it's this huge program. And I don't want to run it, but it would be really great for the parish. And I would immediately be like, well, no, I can't, I can't do that. What's the minimum thing that you need? But if someone came to me and said, look, all I need is a room on Wednesday mornings to run a men's group, I would be like, absolutely. There's no question. I'm making that decision right now. I'm not even going to ask anyone. Here it is. This is how you get the key, everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to do another question uh, sent to us by a buddy of mine, Kevin, Kevin says, love the podcast. Heck yeah. I recommend it to my RCA team for their professional development. You're welcome, America. It's nice and free for y'all. Question for you. How do you evangelize someone if you cannot bring them to mass with you? The parish I attend has bad music and bad preaching, and I just foresee that dousing whatever spark might be present in their soul. I recognize that I can do a lot outside of mass, that the Holy Spirit is not bound by our limitations, but eventually they will need to have that experience, and I have a hard time envisioning that it will be a positive one. Thank you. Yeah, I love this question, and we've we've talked a little bit about it, but... um First of all, you're you're absolutely right. Don't bring them to mass first, right? So for so many people, uh, when they evangelize, that's the first thing they ask them to do is come to mass. And most of us do not have a parish that the liturgy is evangelizing. Most of us don't have that. So don't bring them to mass right. first. Evangelize them first. 
then what I would do is try to find a local parish that is more evangelizing. Now, a lot of diocese has like kind of that one parish that has fantastic music, fantastic preaching, someplace like Gomer's Parish, something like that. You go to Father David's Mass, you know, hear him sing. It's like beautiful. Okay. We have, you know, young priests in our diocese where we just know that it's going to be a great experience for them. Uh, if you don't have that, then I would just prepare them. I've done this a hundred times. I would prepare yeah. them for the reality of like, well, you know what's and and I would I would casually organically mention, I, I say organically, I'm lying basically, but make it look organic. Okay, I would casually yeah. mention the fact that you know the crazy thing about the Catholic Church is that you know the priest could be really boring, the music could be bad, but Jesus is still present in the Eucharist. And I would just mention little lines like that often, yeah. so that it prepares them a little bit. I would say that part of our misunderstanding of the liturgy with the bad music and the bad homilies, mass is always better with good music and good homilies. That's why the church has a beautiful tradition of sung masses and literally from the liturgy has spawned entire genres of music. But I will say this, um, to encourage people to understand the nature of the liturgy, it is not us going to be entertained. And this has to be a part of our discipleship training because very few times in the Christian life is, for instance, prayer always consoling, right? We don't, we are not always consoled every time we pray. We don't always have an emotional experience or an entertaining experience. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's amazing. You know, sometimes God surprises us with his mirth or his tenderness or his intimacy with us. But other times, um, it, it, most of the time, it is our dedication to him and him above all that actually sanctifies us and draws us into more and deeper communion with him. So the same is true about the liturgy. It's not for religious entertainment. So then the next step that we have to get rid of is it's not my worship of God. And that's a subtle distinction because to a certain extent, yes, of course it is. But to another extent, to really understand the liturgy is to understand it as the son's prayer to the father that I, by virtue of my baptism alone am invited to participate in. So the liturgy ought to be alienating for the unbaptized, you know, because it's because they are not equipped with the faith in order to enter into it. Right. So once they're baptized, right. So Christ might be working in their heart, you know, through through the what we call in the church the prevenient grace might be working on the heart to draw them to it, and maybe the liturgy is a spark of beauty. Many people have their conversions going to liturgy like that, but if the liturgy itself is falls way far short, terrible music that's distracting to me. Bad music is distracting music. You might have people who are there and at least they're doing something. At least they're contributing to the life of the church. They're just terrible at it. I would say, yes, preparing them, but it's even more so about the, the entrance into the liturgy, the word proclaimed over us and the Eucharist given for us and how it all ties to the Paschal mystery of Christ to me can easily, I mean, I have heard dozens, uh, dozens, thousands of bad homilies and, and been to masses with bad music, but I always walk away with the Eucharist and with the gospel and if they are equipped in this understanding of the liturgy as God's work on our behalf, then I believe I believe it can overcome even those horrible stuff. After all, it does for you who wrote this email, right? Like you still go to that church, right? right. Despite all that stuff, right? Yeah. And I, I would just find ways to mature him 
before going basically you know to to make sure that he understands and and the thing is he will uh, you know a lot of times we we see things worse right than what they really are for outsiders like we see them as like you know it's kind of like if somebody comes to your house and it's messy it's like you see it so much worse than the person who see who comes to the house okay he's already probably you know being fed by the word he's already probably being fed by a little bit of just uh fellowship and seeing other people worship together okay uh, he'll he'll get those things and he'll he'll grow from those things so and and again the most importantly in all of this the most important thing to remember with this question is you have a relationship with him it's not it's not like uh it's not like someone you just met you know so the relationship's not going to falter just because uh he was disappointed by what he heard or what he you know saw if you have a real relationship with him, he's going to, he's going to bring those things to you. And you're going to say, yeah, I, I totally understand. It's just, you know, this is kind of the way it is. But, but the good thing is, is that we, we met the Lord, right? We, we, we encountered the, the sacramental presence of Jesus Christ at that moment. So. Yeah. And this goes right into another email that we had from Joe, what to say when someone is afraid or intimidated by the Catholic church, as I've grown in my own spiritual life, and aided in no small part by your work on the podcast. Booyah. I have encountered several. I don't, booyah is a very humbled, humbled term. Uh, I have encountered several people who've expressed that they found the Catholic Church intimidating and a little scary. These are people who are open to the idea of Catholicism being the truth. But there seems to be something about Catholic services. I'm assuming he means liturgies here that causes some people to have a barrier to entry that isn't the case for Protestant churches. On the one hand, there might be something good to this, as it could indicate, but the person intuitively knows there's something real and substantially different going on in a Catholic church that isn't happening in a Protestant service. But on the other hand, it might be causing people who would otherwise be moving towards the church. So my question has three parts. Part one, if I'm engaging such a person in evangelical dialogue directly, my first instinct is to invite them to mass with me and my family. Is there anything else specific I can do or say to help lessen their fears? Part two, what can I do as an average member in the pews every Sunday that might help provide a more warm and inviting presence to newcomers? Part three, is there anything that can be done in the parish staff level or higher that can address this also? <laughs> Thanks and love the work you guys do. So part one, which we already kind of answered, I'm engaging in evangelical dialogue directly. My first instinct, invite him to mass. What do you think? Yeah, my first instinct would not be to invite him to mass. But if you feel like they're at that moment, okay, I would get them a mass book. I honestly would, and I would I would show them what is going on that explains it a little bit, and I'm going to skip to question three because I know of a parish here uh, who literally the pastor had a mass book written with pictures of him doing the mass. So literally, you would you would like follow along, and it would be him saying mass, and and in this book it would be pictures of him, and it would explain what was going on at the different parts, and it was hugely effective it was people would rave about this and talk about how uh so many catholics who have been going to mass for years never realized what was going on until they had these booklets in the pews i i don't necessarily want them in mass but i would give them something to prepare for you know mm. that is so funny i just imagine like i can't imagine this being done well and so i just imagine the pictures <laughs> yeah, right, of him very hokey right, right. uh but uh, awesome uh, that is uh, that is an incredibly no, insightful honestly, thing honestly when yeah. i saw it i was like come on you've got to be kidding me but it works it worked very well see it's funny because we we have a parishioner who has an etsy shop and she makes these little things for kids and one of them was i spy while i'm at church 
right? Okay. So it's this little, these little square laminated pictures. Ever in a million years, <laughs> ever in a million years. <laughs> well, I, for for the distracted crowd, um, and it has a little ring, the little binder clip in the top, and they just flip through it. And uh, so we bought this because I want to support this lady. And I realized, oh, she went around and took photos of, of our beautiful tabernacle and all this stuff. So they can literally find the very items yeah. in here. And so on the front, it's as the picture in the back. It explains what it is and its role. So it's like tabernacle. This is what keeps the body of Christ, uh, you know, so you can come and adore him in between masses and stuff like that. And here's the altar and here's the crucifix. And she had, so it was a cool little catechetical tool. But it was my kids fell in love with it because it was our church. Yeah, right? Right. it wasn't one of those masks. So that is that is clever. If my if my child uh, had one of those in mass, then they would get one warning and then they would get a spanking. So moving <laughs> on, moving on. Your world is not my world. You're my, I'm like I'm throwing magnific kids at my kid. I'll, anything to keep them quiet. You're the Cheerios guy. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So is all I, our listeners. I don't care. I'm, I'm the weird one now. <laughs> what can i do so part two what can i do as an average member in the pews every sunday that might help provide a more warm and inviting presence to newcomers <sighs> gomer this is you i i i was gonna <laughs> literally say smile and leave them alone because that's what i would want is just that <laughs> but you but you're the one you're a real human being so well uh, okay so i would say this one of the difficulties with creating warm environments for the mass is that the mass has has lost its communal character in the or the church has lost its communal character it's community centered character meaning people used to show up mass early chit chat with their friends go into the liturgy celebrate the liturgy and then come out and eat coffee and donuts right like that was the average american experience forever and now that's not the experience people show up five ten minutes late they walk in they grab a seat then they leave immediately and for a unless you're really connected to life of the parish which means your parish is probably the main place where you have friends and for many empty nesters and um retirees because they don't have work they have the church and they volunteer they're a part of it so that's their community and so I find that you don't have to use things like coffee and donuts with those people because they're already there. They're not going anywhere. Right. They're going to chit chat for 45 minutes after every single mass right. because that's their community. So for new people to enter into that community, the church, the parish should be offering certain avenues to get to know people, right? So what we do at our church is we have ushers that are also greeters, right? We have a greeter ministry i don't call it a ministry I, everything's a ministry we have <laughs> i'm a little curmudgeon when it comes to that stuff yeah but it's like i, I agree yeah we can show you to your seat we can welcome you with a smile we can thank you for coming right so when i uh for instance after life team we have our freshmen about 300 freshmen that come for youth group before mass uh, and about 100 upper class that meet after mass so I'm there as the freshmen are either A, going to Mass, or B, going out to the, the cars in the parking lot. And that's also when the Mass starts. So all these people are coming to Mass. So I, I'm out there anyway. I might as well smile and greet every human being that walks onto our campus. You're so amazing. I, You're amazing. I, well, you know, I'm an extrovert, and yeah. I need validation by people all the time. So I'm always, well, uh, you smile. Howdy. How y'all doing today? Literally Welcome. just you saying, uh, 
ushers leading you to your seats made me uncomfortable. I was sweating. I, that's too much of a social contract for me to be a part of. Listen, I agreed for you to just stand there and say, there's some seats over there. Yeah. And you just, you don't make eye contact. That's what we do. No, but we, like when the church is crowded, we have ushers that ush, the ush. But they also welcome people. They're very nice. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Get that Southern hospitality. No, it is. It's good. It's good. I, I don't want you to think it, that I think it's bad. I just, <laughs> there are people like me out there who, who just, just avoid that like the plague. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think those are, I think those are all good things to do. I think preparing someone for mass is key before bringing them to mass. If you're in a discipleship evangelization relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I can't I can't agree more when it comes to the liturgy. The liturgy is meant for communion and not not just the reception of Holy Communion, which is only reserved for Catholics who are only in the state of grace. But the whole thing is communion, right? Communion with one another because we are in communion with God. And if someone is doesn't have faith, they don't have an active faith. Oftentimes the liturgy can become a barrier because it it already presupposes that someone, this is straight from the catechism, it presupposes that someone has been evangelized, that someone has faith and they long to be united to Christ in intimacy. And so if that desire for communion isn't there, it can be off-putting when communion is what it's all about. Absolutely. Right? Like if you hate the very idea of marriage, you're going to be grumpy at a wedding, no matter how destination wedding it is or traditional church wedding it is. You're going to be grumpy if you hate marriage. Mass is all about communion from beginning to end, from the gather, you know, the, the introit, all that stuff. The proclamation of the gospel, the homily, the prayers of the faithful, the creed, we all stand under one creed. Why? Because this is what we believe. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then the creed becomes alienating. So in all of these things, we need to remember that that's what it's built for. All right. When when we come back, we're going to have uh, a quick uh, practical send off for everyone in working with this liturgy stuff and tying it to evangelization. But before we do, we do want to give a shout out to our emails we have about 30 emails in the hopper 20 ish emails in the hopper you can email us uh at eksb at ascensionpress.com and that'll go to both me and dave and our producers so that we can all uh make sure that we're combing through these emails and you who knows you might be a uh, subject of a show it could be awesome because we don't prepare and we go and off the cuff all, at eight o'clock in the morning all bets are off after that you'll all be famous and off. everything and uh, yeah, you're going to be famous. You're going to be leading retreats. You're going to take our jobs from us. It's going to be beautiful. So we'll be right back. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it. But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Nisha Bow. I'm surprising Dave with the follow-up question. This is going to get the raw and unvarnished truth. So he said, part three, is there anything that can be done at the parish staff level or higher that can address this also? Now, we already talked about the nature of the liturgy means that there will always be an obstacle, as you pointed out. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, when we mentioned having greeters and stuff like that, Dave, what would you say would be an appropriate leadership point for welcoming the outsider at mass or whatever it might be from the bishop? You're the bishop of Pittsburgh. Oh, right. Okay. So now they make you the bit because he says staff parish staff level or higher. Yeah. So you're the bishop. Yeah. What would you say? How would you encourage the liturgy? Right. And, and the doing of liturgies to maybe not the liturgy itself, obviously the rubrics and stuff, be more welcoming, but how would you encourage people to make Sunday uh, for the visitor more welcoming? Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot here. I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to say I would have it have almost nothing to do with the liturgy. I would have a class that's offered regularly called how to be Catholic. And I would expose them to the things outside of the liturgy that they encounter in the liturgy, like a church tour, like mm-hmm. a vestment, uh, little like vestment demonstration. Uh, and I would have the church staff doing that so that, uh, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of times when you go into a parish, it's like, do I know anyone here? And if you know the church staff, like if someone from the church staff, it's like you're even more welcome than other people. You know, how many people actually know the church staff? So that's what I would do. What about you? Mm. So I think what you said is Bishop Gomer. Yes. Uh, One, I would encourage, I would require all parishes to have some sort of guide to the mass, either in their narthex or in the pews so that people don't feel incredibly intimidated by the stand, sit, sand, stand, sit, kneel aspect of the liturgy. Like, oh, because the number one complaint I hear is I just don't know when to do the thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, you just look at the person in front of you and do what they do. But I'm sitting on the chair that the priest is sitting in. Oh, you're you you are way off. Um, no. So first is you get. I would have them have some sort of resource that people can have that is handy for them to kind of plug and play, grab and go. You know, do that. The second thing I would say is have. Uh, I saw this at a non-denominational church, and I thought it was a great idea. They they call it table time or table talk. And it's just essentially a table <laughs> in a classroom that that has uh, a handful of donuts and hot coffee. And it's like, if you're new and you would like to learn more, after every service, one of our, now for them, it was an associate pastor or something like that, will be there just to talk about, like what you said, aspects of the liturgy, you know, things about that. But it's a conversation. And it's like, here's the history of our parish. Here's the history of the church in general. Let's talk about, you know, these things. And this is, and then maybe you end with a gospel tract or how to pray or, you know, uh, what it means to be a part of our community. You have that engagement point with them that's just freely available. And then you say, and the next tour the church will be in 10 minutes, right? If you want to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think, I think you'll, you will be surprised how many people would take you up on that. Yeah. I really do. We tried to offer at the at every eleven o'clock mass, stand by the organ, and we'll t- give you a tour. All visitors will get a tour of the church, a brief history, and with our most charismatic, you know, um, 
uh, parish uh, volunteer, right? Guy who's just exu- like his life is to be an MC, and uh, he loved every minute of it. But we, it, it kind of dwindled when it was every Sunday, and it wasn't as fancy as like, hey, this is this is something special. So we went to quarterly, and right. you would get forty people that would show up. Nice. So it was nice. awesome, and nice. so those become touch points for you to say, hey, if you gonna if you're gonna invite your friends to mass. Do it on the third, you know, Sunday of the month and then have every, you know, and then afterwards we'll do a tour of the church and table talk or something like that. So it's easy to create touch points that don't kill the souls of your parish staff members who feel like they're already always up at the church. So yeah. that's it for us at Every Knee Shall Bow. We got through three uh, listener questions. That's pretty good for us. That's a pretty good average. Yeah. Yeah. If you have more yeah. questions, come to see me tomorrow night at Christ the Redeemer Parish in Atco, New Jersey. No, not tomorrow Bam. night. Tonight, you'll be hearing it. It's on Wednesday. Wednesday night. Oh, there you go. There you go. All right, y'all. This is Gomer. God bless y'all. Stay classy. God bless. Bye.